outstanding ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go beyond the bell. Anybody out there watching, we're a unit. The four horsemen are not four individuals. Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. We are the studs in professional wrestling. Welcome back, wrestling fans. It's time to turn back the clock as we rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. This is Beyond the Bell via the SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, ring announcer, Sean Beckerman, back with you once again as we relive all things nostalgia and old school in the world of sports entertainment. This week, we debut a new show, a new topic that's going to span over the weeks here at Beyond the Bell, and it's going to be a very popular show, I believe, a popular concept, because in lieu of the 2012 Hall of Fame and the induction of the legendary Four Horsemen, I thought it'd be great to look back at the birth and legacy of the Four Horsemen. So we're going to open up our vault and our filing cabinets and open up the Horseman Files on Beyond the Bell. One symbol of excellence. Two decades of prominence. Three indelible words. Diamonds are forever! Four unforgettable superstars. And so are the four horsemen, yeah! Rick Flair, Anderson, Blanchard, Barry Windham, the studs in professional wrestling. They all were very tight. They did hang around each other. They were real friends. They were living that lifestyle. They were wrestling and stealing the show. The Four Horsemen is not just an idea. It's a theme. It's a state of being. It's a state of mind. Arn Anderson was the enforcer of the group by far the toughest member of the Four Horsemen. I don't want to say I told you so. I don't want to blow our own horn, but toot, toot. Arn never quite got credit for the amazing talent that he was in this industry. And for all you people out there that have ever bought a ticket to see Arn Anderson wrestle, I gave you everything I had. If I was trying to describe Ric Flair to somebody who didn't know him, I'd say, where have you been for the last 30 years under a rock? It is so hard to be humble when you're looking like Ric Flair. Tully Blanchard is on top of the whole heap one more time. Tully Blanchard was the first cool bad guy that I ever saw. We can get down and be dirty with the dirtiest of them all. But we can also be ha, as clean as they come. I'm Barry Winner, the most natural gifted athlete ever to walk into our business. Barry is so good that he can blend in with anybody. He was the absolute best in the world. 
the four horsemen are not four individuals. We're a unit. There is a camaraderie that is unparalleled anywhere else. The class of the world are horsemen fans. They believe in the symbol of success. Diamonds are forever, and so are the horsemen. We will look back in chronological order at the history of the Four Horsemen, so the debut episode of The Horsemen Files will open up our files to 1985, the birth of the Four Horsemen. A day in the life of the Horsemen. Well, I tell you, you would think this was embellishment. Telling you it was not. In those days, we were drawing money. We were making money. The company was making money. Jim Crockett had two private planes. We all bought new Mercedes. We bought five at one time at the Mercedes dealership there in Charlotte. Pull our Mercedes up to the uh, private aviation, get out, pull up to the steps of a private 10-seat jet. We'd fly to a Baltimore, Philadelphia, Richmond, Norfolk, wherever it was. Uh, plane had landed, be a limousine sitting there. Jump in the limousine, go to the Marriott Hotel, check in. Go to the arena, kick some major league ass, jump right back in a limousine, hit the town, whatever it was, whatever the evening called for, and uh, we live like Bob Hope. I don't know how life could have been any grander. I got a real big house on the big side of town in Charlotte, North Carolina. And you know why I let Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard come over to my house and work out in my gym and swim in my pool and dive off my five-meter board? Huh? You know why? Because they are champions. You gotta be a champion 24 hours a day, not just inside that squared circle. So you can get a little picture here. Arn, you're really living the life, baby. And that's what it was. It was an ideology. Check that watch out, baby. Check that little timepiece. We'd always wear sport coats and not always ties and stuff, but sport coats and, and sunglasses and tried to be uh, very GQ and, and all that kind of stuff. We felt like we earned it. We worked harder than everybody else. We put in more time than everybody else. We were in a position to carry the company. We did carry the company. And... Uh, we reaped the rewards. Flair would get on television, Rolex, time this and that. And so I had to go get me a different gold watch with diamond face so I could, you know, try to upstage. And then he'd get a bigger watch and I'd get a bigger car and he'd get a bigger car. Then I got two cars, then he'd get three cars. And, and <laughs> you know, we were firm subscribers to uh, He Who Dies With The Most Wins. Woo, let, me, let me see that Rolex, Slick Rick. Where's the limousine, Nate? When you are a star, you expect to be treated like a star, and, and you can be a little bit... I'll stop there. You see, I can't help it that I'm a star. We talked about being the best. We talked about the gold, the glory, the girls, the money, what lifestyle that you could get. I'm surfing in Hawaii. I'm down at Myrtle Beach laying in the sun. I'm driving around in one of my two Corvettes, or I'm speeding across the intercoastal in my Dynasty 29 going. We actually preached in some fashion a way to live. It was a doctrine. Of, of sorts. We were taking that private plane and say for a four-day run 
we'd be on the West Coast. Got him. We'd park that private jet in Las Vegas and operate out of Vegas for four days. We'd go to the arena and say Oakland. We'd wrestle. We'd wrestle 30 minutes. Jump on that plane back to Vegas. Drink half the night. Get up it with four hours sleep. Go to the gym. Go lay out in the sun all day. Back on the plane. Back to L.A. Wrestle 30 minutes. Back to Vegas. Here you go again. Gambling all night long. It was just one of those roller coaster rides. If I wasn't 25 years old, it killed me. The thing that made the horseman was that what we talked about on television, we did. We were just back from Las Vegas, you know, we had the big uh, vacation right there. When we went to Virginia Beach and, and went out to the nightclub, I mean, we went rocking and rolling. I mean, it, you knew the horsemen were in town. When we went to Chicago, it was, and we got on television, talked about being at the Snuggery, which I don't think the Snuggery's even there anymore on Division Street, but in the mid-80s, it was there, and when the limousine pulled up, we walked in, we did not pay for a drink. Nothing. Walked out of there. It was the horsemen ruled, and they had a waiting line to get into place, and I mean, it was exciting. The best part of it was is we really were a legitimate team. It was four guys that really loved being together. You're the richest and the best, and you talked about it. And see, that is why the four horsemen thing stuck. It all started as a family business. Arn and Ole Anderson, the future spine of the Four Horsemen, had a personal vision, and it all involved the Tag Team Championship. To understand the bold nature of this mission, you must first understand that the Tag Team Division in this era was extremely competitive. With such legendary names as the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, and the Road Warriors, as well as singles workers pairing themselves as a team in hopes of capturing the gold. This was the golden age, the legendary age of tag team wrestling. While the WWF would boast such legendary alliances as the original Hart Foundation, the Rockers, the British Bulldogs, and eventually the Andersons, there was little doubt where the best action in the nation was kept. As such, these belts were no laughing matter. This was the real deal in professional wrestling. Ole held one of these belts alongside his partner at the time, Thunderbolt Patterson, suddenly one week in the blunt nature that would over time become the Four Horsemen's own, Ole walked out to an interview segment and effectively told T-Bolt that the team's best days were behind them. To his partner's face, Ole Anderson announced he was dissolving their coalition in favor of a run with his brother, Arn, and he was taking the titles with him. Before Patterson had a chance to react, Ole had left the set. No questions asked. No room to retort. One week later, Arn was participating in a singles match while Ole supported him at the announce table. As the match became increasingly competitive, it was slowly becoming evident that the younger Anderson's opponent had the upper hand. That all changed in an instant. Though as Ole had jumped into the ring and the match was thrown out. As the bell incessantly rang, the Andersons effectively stomped the fight out of the Enforcer's opponent with no sign of slowing down, which brought out former tag team champion T-Bolt Patterson. As Ole and his former partner exchanged words, Arn came from out of nowhere, blindsiding Patterson and sending him to the mat in a heap. 
initially hesitant, Ole had no choice but to help in the beating once Patterson started to fight back. Working as a team, the two announced themselves the new tag team champions, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. Here are three of the four horsemen. J.J. Dillon and don't, don't get ahead of yourself. What you have here is the four horsemen united live in exciting color right here on national television. The Rock is back, and the impact was felt all around the wrestling world. And now that the Anderson brothers are back, Flair, the world's heavyweight champion, Tully Blanchard, national heavyweight champion, along with the infamous James J. Dillon, nobody or nothing can stop what's going to happen. You know, the bash is upon us, and we've got a lot of people that think they're going to do some avenging. We'll get ready. We're ready for the bash. Rhodes, everybody else, I hope you're ready, because we're coming your way. Tony Giovanni, all I got to say is I told you The Rock was coming back. We base our credibility on one thing. We don't make promises. We don't make threats that we can't make good. The Rock's back. You want to get in bed with the big dogs? You're going to get on the critical list, whoever you are. Tony Giovanni! Never let it be said that Ric Flair hasn't stood between a couple of real big men in his life. You know, all I hear about are the Road Warriors and Dusty Rhodes and Magnum T.A. Well, you guys, wherever you are, and we know for a fact a lot of you are having a hard time finding your way to the television station when you know that the horsemen are in the same building. As a matter of fact, Dusty Rhodes is sitting in Charlotte or Houston or Dallas, wherever he is, sending in videos. Well, brother, this isn't a video shop. It's a wrestling promotion, and we like to see the guys we don't like firsthand. Now, there's two other guys that have been hard-pressed to find their way here, too. The Road Warriors, you know. We're talking about Animal and Road Warrior Big Bird Hawk. That's right. <laughs> That's a good one, huh? We're talking about you. That's right, Hawk. When we get done with you, Hawk, we're going to stretch that big neck of yours about a foot longer, and they're going to call you Road Warrior Big Bird Hawk. You know why? Because we say so. We told Dusty Rhodes we was going to break his leg, and we broke his leg. We told Gordon and Gibson they were going to get hurt, and they got hurt. In other words, this elite family has got the distinction of doing what they say they're going to do. So whether you like it or not, learn to love it because we're going to be here for a long, long time. One more short note. If there's a woman in the world it's between the age of 18 and 28 that's not wearing a training bra that wants to find out what a real man's all about, then girls, what's causing all this? Yeah. While the uproar began in the tag team scene, it gained a head of steam and national attention in the world title scene. At the time, our world champion was none other than the nature boy, Ric Flair. Woo! But things weren't always going according to the champ's well-orchestrated plans. As always, Flair was the dirtiest player in the game, and often escaped with his pride intact and the belt around his waist, by only the skin of his teeth. That's what made him so great. The prototypical heel champion. Now we talked about Ole and Arn Anderson along with Nature Boy Ric Flair. 
As you saw last week, when we tried to talk to Dusty Rhodes, this man to my right, who I hope will join me right now, came in and just stole the belt right away from Dusty Rhodes. I mean, you actually just, it's like being a thief, stole the belt right away. Tony Giovanni, I feel like either a whatnot chef or the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. I'm telling you, I don't know what to do with all the belts. Somebody get a shot at this, will you? Look at the titles that I have achieved, and this one I'm especially proud of because Ole said go on out and do it on your own. Well, Dusty Rhodes, if you're not man enough to take the injuries and you're not man enough to get out here and defend this belt, then I'll do it for you, and I'll start right here today. And if you're calling me a thief, I'm going to tell you like it is. Anybody wants this belt is going to have to take it, and I don't think the two of you combined are mad enough or anybody else. You understand what I'm saying? Speaking of taking the belt, let's take a look at exactly what happened. The history of professional wrestling, the left ankle, the left foot of this man right here, and we are very, very glad to see him back. We're talking about the world television champion, and welcoming back with me, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes. Two things, two things need to be said real quick. When I face the nation right now about this situation, I'd like to thank all the fans that send me the many cards and letters. I'd like to apologize publicly for the dates that I'm unable to make, the bookings I'm unable to make because it's never in my history of my career of wrestling, I wasn't able to perform. The hurt inside of me goes a lot deeper than just performing. Don't you even come out! Get in What in the world is going on? There he was. The man was down. You just stole the belt right from him. Just because Dusty Rhodes is a clumsy buffoon and can't stand up, that's beside the point. I think there was a famous Broadway play that had a heck of a run, Tony Giovanni. It was called Promises, Promises. Well, you, I tell you what, Dusty Rhodes, you keep on promising and I'll keep on producing. I'm your world television champion. There he is, Arn Anderson. He stole that belt. Embarrassment is an emotion with, with which Flair's never been comfortable. And his opponents came closer and closer to an upset victory throughout his ongoing two-year title reign. He began to realize a little help would be necessary to survive these contenders. Honestly, it couldn't have arrived at a better time. Flair's next scheduled opponent was the fastest rising star in the NWA, compared by many to the godlike Hulk Hogan at the time, Magnum T.A. Back at ringside, now let's take a look at what we've been talking about. As we said, it's been a very, very tough week for the former U.S. Heavyweight Champion Magnum T.A. Magnum, a very popular wrestler, as you know, gets requests from all over, from television station reporters from all over, to talk with him. There's a phone call placed from a television station out of Philadelphia, a request for an interview with Magnum T.A. So one night at an arena, Magnum T.A. granted that request. And they took a look at Magnum T.A. in a dressing room separately, and here's what happened. Tully Blanchard, it's no new thing to any of the people in Philadelphia what's been going on between you and I. And it's damn good and ready for the time to 
Philly Blanchard, all the people of Philadelphia know all the things you've done to myself, all the things you've done to the American Dream Dusty Roads. But it's time for some dues to be paid, some real heavy dues. You've done some things to me that you're going to have to answer for, and Philadelphia's the place you're going to answer for. You know, the U.S. title is very prestigious, and you and I have gone round and round over it. And when we come to Philadelphia this time, there's going to be no mistake in what's going to happen. I'm going to come on you like nobody's ever come on you before. I'm coming there to take you out in no uncertain terms. No baby doll at your side. Nobody to run distractions for you. Just you and I in the middle of that square circle, nose to nose, eye to eyeball, getting it on like two men should do. This is professional wrestling. This isn't some game. This is where men are men and the boys stay on the side and watch what's going on. And tell A. Blanchard, you can't run and hide from me anymore. You're going to have to deal with Magnum T.A. All the stuff, all the things you've done are going to come to a head. Philadelphia is going to be the place. What's the... defended his title against an unproven challenger, Sam Houston, Magnum made his way to the announce table, then located besides the backstage curtain, as opposed to ringside, where the announcers welcomed him and took their attention away from the predictable Nature Boy cakewalk which was transpiring in the ring. Upon seeing this, Flair stopped the match and made his way to the announce table to remind the announcers, fans, and especially Magnum, why they were here. As the match continued, Flair was given a surprisingly strong fight, but eventually claimed the victory with his figure four leg lock. However, Rick was not satisfied with the clean victory. Post-match, he only relinquished the hold long enough to remove Houston's boot before strapping it back on and making a terrible effort to end the young man's career. Magnum made the obligatory save, and an instant rivalry was born, just like that. Meanwhile... Sam Houston, technically far from a legend, actually played a large role in the history of the Horsemen. But we'll see more about that, and we'll talk more about that later. Welcome back, champ. Well, thank you very much. What's happened, Bill, is that Ted Turner's contacted me personally. He said, Rick, look at the ratings for the program that yeah. suffered in your absence. Oh. And as a favor to Ted Turner, Turner Broadcasting Systems, Rick Flair, the world champion, is back on his program to lend his expertise in all aspects of professional wrestling. So Ted, you, Ted Turner obviously likes you. Ted Turner loves me. Okay, now... I never let him down. I'm not like Horner or Murphy. He knows I'm a money ball player, and I'll always hit the home run. Well, there are several people who don't like you. you we have gotten 
inundated with thousands upon thousands of letters in our Pro Wrestling Illustrated offices in New York. And uh, all about you and Dusty Rhodes. Last time you were on this program, we brought Dusty live via an interview here. And you walked off. Didn't want to come back anymore. And the mail has been tremendous. Let me read you some segments of three letters here and, and, and get your reaction. First of all, Alan Strauss of Long Island says, It was a gross injustice what Flair and the Andersons did to Dusty. Also, Flair disgraced himself by walking off on scouting reports. I hope he never comes back. My vote for Pro Wrestling Illustrated Wrestler of the Year is definitely Dusty Rhodes, not Ric Flair. Well, Alan Strauss sounds like the kind of man to me. And living in Long Island, New York, I can believe it, that I've never seen an NWA World Heavyweight Champion at work. Alan Strauss, if you're out there listening today, this is your opportunity to look at a real man, a real World Heavyweight Champion that does what he wants to do because he is obviously the best there is. Okay, Heidi Walker of Atlanta said, I love the look on Ric Flair's face when he realized that Dusty was not out of action forever. I hope Dusty takes the title and breaks all of Flair's limbs. That's a young lady that obviously hasn't had the pleasure of knowing me on a personal level. Okay, and finally, Donna Zimmerman of Seattle says, Flair did re the wrestling world a real service by trying to put Dusty out of action. Although you did not succeed, Ric Flair, I'm confident that the American nightmare, she calls the American dream, will be <laughs> annihilated and finished off forever. Well, those are the kind of letters that I receive thousands of each week. An intelligent wrestling fan that knows a quality athlete when he sees one. I've got to tell she you that, one. well, the mail has really been 98% against Ric Flair. Everywhere I go, the people are 98% against Ric Flair, and I'm still the world champion. So, Bill, after, as we've talked about so many times in the past, I should just tell you that regardless of the popular opinion around the world today, the best one will always prevail, and that's me. Okay, we're going to have to deviate a little bit from our usual format of scouting reports here, really to talk about you and your cousins, the Andersons. You guys have seemed to be going berserk recently. I mean, you're attacking people, injuring people. Let's take a look right now at Arn Anderson breaking Lee Ramsey's arm. Let's look at this. Okay, now let's, let's check this out here. Now, here's Arn going outside the ring, okay, and looking... Look at this, what he's doing to Ramsey's arm. I mean, he already finished the guy off and now inflicting more injury on him. Why is he doing something like this, Rick? I mean, well, obviously, uh -huh. Arn Anderson, as I've said too many times in the past, is one of the great wrestlers in the world today. But is it necessary to do this? There are times in any man's career when he has to really make a move forward, he has to really make a move to be recognized. And obviously, just by the simple fact that you're bringing up his name, that he's being aired on this program today, should tell you and should tell me and the whole wrestling world that he's making waves. But he's breaking arms and, and, you know, doing things that he should not be doing. Is this a way to make a name for Bill, it's a man's sport. When you get in that ring, you have to be ready, as I've said too many times in the past, for any kind of action. All right, now look at this Arne Manny Anderson. Fernandez coming in to help him, and Arne Anderson going and attacking Manny just for coming in to help his friend here. <laughs> I love it. You love it. I love it. I, I, I had not had to see this before. You have to understand, I've said before, the Anderson's by our cousin. This is family. I know. Of course, I relish the opportunity to see one of my great, one of my great, uh, can do something that really brings attention to himself and to our family and the world of professional wrestling. But psychologically, I think that this, this whole incident with this thing with, with Dusty has driven you and the Andersons like, you know, completely crazy. This is what it seems like. Do I look like I'm crazy? I'm sitting out here wearing about $2,500 worth of clothes, not to mention a $1,000 pair of shoes. I'm wearing a $13,000 gold Rolex. I got a limousine sitting in that parking lot longer 
than any five cars you've ever seen. I flew in here today on my own jet airplane, and you're telling me I look crazy? <laughs> Stick to putting together magazines. Okay. Only professional roughly to me and to the Andersons. Ole Anderson, on Anderson, and Tully Blanchard, crippling, breaking Sam Houston's arm, okay? Again, no reason for this. Let's take a look at it. Okay, now here we go. Now, Tully Blanchard taking Sam Houston and elbow smashing him. Now watch this vicious attack. This really is not necessary. Oh, we're climbing the ropes there. Coming down on his arm. And totally, to, again, really disgusting here. I, I, I think that these guys, again, just like you, in my opinion, are psyched out. You guys have gone totally crazy since this, uh... For some individuals that are psyched out, they're doing a pretty good job of beating up this young man. Yeah. Thank oh, you. Rick, this is totally unnecessary, what's going on here. Now, now, do you advocate something like this? Bill, in the case of the Andersons, anything they're involved in, I advocate. Anything I'm involved in, they advocate. The Andersons come from a tough, long, oh. hard wrestling background. They're tremendous competitors. They get in that ring and well, they... You know that Oli had loaded his knee pad up. Loaded his knee pad with what? I don't know what. 36-inch thigh. That's, you're talking about a tremendous athlete. You're talking about a tremendous man. He didn't load his knee pad with anything. He just took that 23-year-old kid in the ring and taught him a lesson. That happens every day in our sport. How many times do you turn on a pro football game and you see somebody get carried off the field? If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. That's what this sport's all about. Okay, you're saying what happens in the ring, anything that happens in the ring is justified. That's right. Okay, I'm now, saying this is a man's sport, and they're aware of the consequences before they walk that aisle, before that bell rings. So they're not ready okay. for it and don't like it, stay out Let of the Let me ask you a question. In the ring, it's justified. What about in the dressing room? You remember when Ole and Arn attacked Magnum T.A. When, sure do. when he was doing a promotional sure do. interview? Well, mm -hmm. let's watch this and then discuss it. Stay on the side and watch what's going on until they blanch you. You can't run and hide from me anymore. You're going to have to deal you with that. All the stuff, all the things you've done are going to come to a head. Philadelphia is going to be the foot. What the? Magnum T.A. was there. He was insulting the Andersons. Yeah, he was insulting professional wrestling. You can't really consider him on the same scale as the Anderson brothers. That, People don't understand that there was insults thrown earlier prior to that interview. And all the Andersons did on a very personal level. It happens all the time in life. They took care of someone or got involved with someone on a very personal level. This mm -hmm. time it happened to be in the dressing room and that's why Magnum T.A. <laughs> As this we can is, see, funny to you. as I mean, we can is, see, came out of the losing end. This, oh, is, a, I love this it. is a joke to you. I love, it's not a joke to me. It's professional wrestling. You're looking at the best there is. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. This. You know. As, as far as I'm concerned. Speechless. Are you? Doing no. Well. I'll tell you something. Come on. Go I'm ahead. annoyed at this whole thing. Are I, you really? I think the way that you and the Andersons have conducted each, uh, conducted yourselves is I've used this word a hundred times. I'll use it again. Disgusting. Let's go back to the Omni now and watch what you guys did to Dusty Rhodes. Please. Okay, now, why don't you talk about this, Rick? You've seen this from my point of view. Let's discuss why you did this, okay? First of all, you have to understand, Dusty Rhodes and I probably have the two biggest egos in all of professional sports, not just professional wrestling. 
Kid Eagle says he has to be the best. He's always competed at a very high level in any in every sport he participated in, just like myself. Mm -hmm. I came into wrestling several years after he did, and as everyone knows, Dusty Rhodes was a big influence. Played a very big part that's of my development, that's, that's public now. my career development in this sport. Mm -hmm. But our egos have always run neck and neck. And you see, after I captured the World Heavyweight Championship by defeating Dusty Rhodes, recapturing it again from Harley Race, Recaptured it again from Kerry Von Erich. I kept myself on top of the wrestling world. If you look in the books that you publish, the number one wrestler in the world today, acknowledged by you and every other wrestling magazine in the world, is Ric Flair. Okay, Rick, we have not to Dusty Rhodes, not the NWA champion, but Ric Flair, because he is the best. And Dusty Rhodes has just had a tremendous problem living with that. Okay, we have to take a break. We will be back with more discussion about uh, the Ric Flair and Dusty Rhodes situation shortly. Don't you dare go away. Every night that he wrestles now, right, now you're the weapon he says I put there, he said the orthopedic surgeon built that boot for him with a steel toe, that weapon. You're calling this a weapon. I'm calling it a weapon. They're calling not this, a wrestling boot. His camp is calling this a reinforced boot. Yes. Okay, now, now, in your opinion, after what you did to Dusty Rhodes, Okay, you are now throwing out accusations that this boot is loaded. Do you think this is justified? I'm not throwing out accusations that this boot, this boot is loaded. I'm saying the boot was made and reinforced with metal all the way from the toe through the arch of the boot. And I'm telling you, as I've told every wrestling fan in the world today, that his motive right now is to get me in a position where he can kick my brains out mm -hmm. with that mm -hmm. boot. Just okay. as he did to my cousin Ole, just as he done to my cousin Arn, gonna... and just as he done to several other wrestlers that have okay, competed Rick, against Rick, him. we're going to look at that right now, okay? Here's an incident with you against Sam Houston. You against Sam Houston, special challenge right, match. Let's bring it let's, to, let's to the public to see right Okay, now. let's take a look at this. Here you are. You've got Houston in the figure four leg lock. Okay, the referee calling for a break right now. And Arn Anderson coming in, stomping on Sam Houston. Again, it's just this justified. Yeah, it's justified. Now look at this. As he gets you're up, not, as he gets up on the rope, as he gets up on the rope, there's Dusty Rhodes aborting this whole this whole incident. But there, I'll tell you, that's what that's what's not justified. Dusty what? Rhodes has no place in that ring right now. Did Arn Anderson have any any place in that yes, ring? Yes, he was my second. I asked him to come down to the ring. Now there's there Dusty kicking him with the boot. Well, you can see it right there. Now this boot. You see the white boot on the left foot? Yeah. It's loaded. Mm -hmm. It's made with metal. It's reinforced with metal. And he is intentionally, intentionally trying to hurt Art Anderson with that boot. And he will do the same to me when he gets me in that ring. You know that. I've never seen the whole wrestling world aware of that. Yeah, I'm upset about it. Who wouldn't be? I'm not that? just your every average athlete. I'm the best looking man alive today. But, and I'm the world heavyweight champion. But you're and nobody stricken. needs to walk that aisle wearing a boot that's reinforced with metal trying to kick my brains out. Is that professional wrestling? When you see us walk into that ring, we break somebody's arm. Or we break somebody's leg. Or anybody gets hurt, we do it with our natural ability, not with a metal reinforced boot. Okay, there is no, there is no proof that this is metal reinforced, this boot. And and considering what you and the Andersons have done to Dusty and these other people, do you think that whatever Dusty has to do is justified? I mean, don't you think that would that would only be right if this is being word, used for those uh, purposes? I have to explain it to you to get you to understand. But I'm going to explain it to you one more time, just like I will to all the fans out there. Professional wrestling is the toughest sport in the world today, bar none. 
And everybody that signs a contract is prepared to walk that aisle, is prepared to get in the ring, is prepared to pay the price. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Now, wait let me put it to you just like this. Let me just we say We get something. paid for wins, not losses. Earlier in this program, you said that whatever goes on in that ring is what goes on in the ring. Okay? That's right. And here you are, the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, crying about this booth. This happened in the ring, Rick. Are you implying that I'm crying? Me, the world champion. I'm merely telling you. And you at 160 pounds sitting over there all dried up doesn't have the right to tell me about professional wrestling. You trying to get on my skin, huh? You've always been Dusty Rhodes' biggest doctor. The whole world knows that. And if you're telling me that he should be wearing that boot, walking down the aisle, getting in the ring, trying to hurt me with that boot or anybody else, I'll tell you what, Bill Aptor. I'm leaving again okay. today. And you can answer the Turner, you can answer the TBS, and you can answer the NWA. Because I'm not going to be insulted by you or anybody else anymore. I think the only people that I really have to answer to... You're not coming back? Fine. Okay. I think the only people that I have to answer, answer to are you people, the fans. You have to judge if what Ric Flair did was indeed fair, what he and the Andersons did, and about the, the reinforced boot that Dusty's using. Anyway, we're going to discuss this again in length on our next program. So, you know, send us your letters again. Let us know what you feel about this situation. And it's very important that we have your input. So at this time, this is Bill After without NWA champion Ric Flair again. Maybe he'll be back next week saying, take care, be well, and we'll see you at the matches. Thank you. In prototypical Flair style, his mouth and wallet would attempt to escape long before a physical confrontation was in order. Thus, one week later, Flair arrived for another title defense, showcasing his brand new suit. Claiming it cost an exorbitant amount of money, he left it at the announced position as a sort of peace offering for Magnum TA. It wasn't long before the young challenger arrived to claim his prize and he brought it with him to the ring where Flair was waiting. As Magnum went on and on about how wonderful the suit was, Flair gushed with pride. Moments later, however, Magnum began tearing the suit apart, and when he made the mistake of turning his back, Flair called him on it. Magnum was expecting it, though, and swiftly caught Flair with a belly-to-belly suplex, his trademark maneuver. This footage was shown constantly in in the mid-80s and even to this present day of how much of an impact a simple move made to cause a feud to ignite. Okay, uh, go ahead. Magnum. Magnum's on his way up with the uh, suit and, and the shirt. Now he's at ringside. Flair has his back turned. There he goes with the suit, David. Beautiful, beautiful suit. Look at Magnum complimenting Flair on the shirt and the suit that Flair gave him. You know, 
Before departing, Magnum stated, The next time I touch this belt, it will be mine. The next the next time I touch this belt, it will be mine. Simple words caused such great controversy between these two stars. Simple storyline creating a hot rivalry. Ric Flair, Magnum TA. This was an epic encounter. Just like Christmas, New Year's, Easter, the 4th of July, anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. It's a special day. It's an event, if you would. The newspapers come around, the TV cameras cover it because we're special, because we control wrestling. We rule the world of professional wrestling, the world television champion, the world heavyweight champion, the greatest tag team combination of all time, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew. The Andersons and my humble self. Tony Giovanni, the Rock and myself stand before you in this Yuletide season a little naked. You see, world television champion, world heavyweight champion, but Rock and I are a little bare. Our tree is a little bare. But let me tell you, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that's temporary. You see Nikita Koloff, you've got to stop. You're the U.S. heavyweight champion. I'm not forgetting that. Ronnie Garvin, Barry Windham, you're the U.S. tag champion. Rocking myself, have not forgot that. So rest assured, GQ Ball, as I stand here before you, rest assured, your U.S. title is in jeopardy. It doesn't get mentioned much, but it's in the back of my mind, because I'm going to tell you, I myself, personally, am going to restore the name Anderson to where it should be on top of the heap. I guess what we're trying to say is whether you're a fat out of shape truck driver, whether you're a skinny geek 
pushing the taxes down. Whether you're a doctor or a lawyer, just doesn't have half the money we have. This is the way life is. If Ollie wants to slap Road Warrior Hawk, he'll do it. If Tully wants to spit on Road Warrior Animal, he'll do it. If Iron wants to take Dusty Rhodes, do all that, he'll do it. And Nikita, if I want you, all three of them, to hold you, I'm going to slap you. I'm going to spit on you, I'm going to kick you, and I'm going to go, woo, all night long. We going to Minneapolis, we going to LA, we going to Frisco, Albuquerque, Chicago. In other words, after we beat all the wrestlers up, and there's a woman out there, what to find out, just where she stands in the world of femininity, jump on the horseman one time, baby. It's an all-night we're going to destroy Philly tonight. Chicago tomorrow, the four horsemen. Weeks passed, and Magnum demanded his title shot, while Flair avoided the issue, claiming Magnum wasn't worth his time. The man even went so far as to say he could beat the young upstart within 10 minutes, or even in 10 minutes. Calling his bluff, Magnum stepped from backstage and slapped down the gauntlet, putting $10,000 on the line against Flair's claims of a 10-minute victory. It was too late to back down, so into the ring went Flair as he attempted to take home the short victory, effectively stamping out a small fire TNA had lit underneath him, putting out the young upstart. As the match was nearly set to go, Ole and Arn stepped from behind the curtain and took up choice seats at the announce table. As an interesting side note, the Andersons claimed Flair as a long-lost cousin during the same broadcast. It was a family affair in the the formation of the Anderson-Flair combination. The match itself was a seesaw battle, with neither man taking a distinct advantage. As the match drew near the 10-minute mark, Magnum put Flair in his own figure-four leg lock, holding the submission maneuver until the time had expired. Amidst the announcer's shrieks, the Andersons had seen enough and stormed the ring. While Magnum fought the good fight, the odds turned out to be unbeatable, and the three men beat him mercilessly. As the three attempted to break the rising superstar's arm, Help finally arrived in the form of Sam Houston, Buzz Sawyer, and various other backstage competitors. The damage had been done, though. However, and this new coalition, you could say, was one that Magnum could never overcome. Title match after title match would come down to the wire before Anderson interference would end the bout in a disqualification. So frustrating for Magnum T.A. Sometime later, T.A. moved from the world title scene... Instead of setting his sights from the world title, he went in the realm, in the viewpoint of obtaining the tag team straps. Alongside his partner at the time, the immortal Dusty Rhodes, Magnum's shot was to come on a televised NWA program. Just before match time, Magnum took the time backstage to pre-tape a challenge toward one Tully Blanchard. Suddenly, without warning, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew hit the scene and dismantled the surprising young star. Concentrating on the ribs and torso, the two made short work of the challenger before taking out the cameraman and marching down the entranceway for their title defense. While the champion stood in the ring, Dusty made a brief appearance, asking for a few more minutes of time, given the circumstances of what happened. 
Before an official decision could be made, the wrecking crew had jumped Rhodes from behind and drug him into the ring. As the gangland beating continued, Terry Taylor attempted to save to no avail. As the Andersons beat on the two men, Magnum stumbled from backstage, battered, bruised, beaten, and broken. The five Bs. Backstage, battered, beaten, bruised, broken. I know, corny fans. As one can expect, even his efforts weren't enough, and he almost immediately fell before the champions. It was great television. The beating continued until more backstage help finally drove the future horsemen off. While Rhodes left the scene under his own power, Magnum was taken out of the ring on a stretcher. Later in the night, Magnum showed his guts by completing the challenge that he had started backstage hours earlier, this time from the hospital. This is what is missing in today's storyline. Simple, dramatic television. Jim, how much time do we have left? We 15 minutes. Jim Reeves tells us 15 minutes left. I'm going to tell you what. I don't wear all the fancy clothes. I don't, wear, I don't drive the big Mercedes. We're aware of that. I ride a Harley Davidson. But what I got here is $1,000. And I've told you before, I don't think you can beat me. As a matter of fact, I know you can't beat me. And if you want, here's a thousand dollars that says right here on this worldwide television program, you can't take me in this show circuit. Rick, uh, here, here's a thousand dollars, and there goes Magnum D.A. to the ring. I know you were scheduled to wrestle someone else. Rick, does this mean you're, you're going to go in the Tony, ring? I have given this youngster every opportunity there is to stay out of my path. I'm the greatest. Now, for you and for all the fans out there that know that I'm the only thing happening today, I'm going to hit him right now. There he goes! There goes Ric Flair in the ring! Well, there he goes to the ring. Regularly scheduled match. Ten minutes. And they're in the ring. Magnum PA $1,000, and he says Ric Flair cannot beat him in 10 minutes. Flair has accepted that challenge. It is a pretty face. He just got himself in a bad way. I'd say in another minute or so, it's going to be off. Come on, Rick! About two minutes ago. And both men are locked up. It's a test of power right here between the world champion and the U.S. champion. Backslide. Get the shoulders down. Two count again. Tackle. Picks him up. Flowers up high. Magnum got him. And covers him. A two count. Magnum feeling good now. I tell you, there's a difference right there. If Magnum was a champion or wants to be a champion, then he should go right after Flair. He stands back, gives a guy five seconds room. Nobody in their right mind is going to do it. I don't care how nice a guy you are. I don't care how many roses you give out. And that's why Flair is going to... Come on, Flair! Magnum now has the champion in the corner. Hip toss again. Flair's down. He's a kick. We have one minute left in this match. Come on, here, Come on! One minute left. And that's a two count again. Come on, come on. Count it in it. Count it off. Flair now picks up Magnum. 
Into the ropes he goes. He misses that time. Magnum tries to dive and he misses. Magnum is down. We have less than a minute now to go in this match. Flair going up. Magnum is still down. He's up. Into the midsection. He closes it up. We're getting down near the end of the match. We're getting down near the end of the match. Down near the end. Where? In a lot of pain. Well, the time must be just about out here. The time is up. He didn't beat him. Flair did not beat Magnum. What are you talking about? Flair did not beat Magnum. There's the no, no, Magnum. Magnum's got him. Crazy. Flair's got him in a hole. He did not beat Rick Flair. Or he did not beat Magnum GA. Rick Flair did not beat Magnum. Just gave up a second ago. What are you talking about? Who do you think had the hold on? No, Magnum had the. Are you trying to tell me that Flair, when he was in the hole, he reversed it? He reversed it. That was the end of it. Magnum was giving up. Magnum got him up. Atomic drop. Down goes Flair. Oh no, the Anderson coming around. The Anderson are in there. I can't believe it. Flair did not beat. Flair did not beat the U.S. Heavyweight Champion. Can you believe that? Well, there's family for you. Oh my goodness. What the? Oh no! Oh, that was right on the back of the neck of Magnum. Look at Flair slapping Magnum around. Oh, I can't believe it. Somebody's got to do something here. He's got him down by the hair. Somebody's got to do something. There goes Slater. There goes Slater. It's Slater. Oh my goodness. The fact remains. The fact. No! Now you know what it is. Now you're paying the price. Don't understand the price. I don't know about that, but I know one thing. Magnum is going to hold on to this $1,000 because Flair did not beat him in 10 minutes. I think we may have a portion of this match on slow motion once again. I want to see what happened once again. Well, it's the part that you don't like to see as the Andersons came in with Flair right off and down on top of Magnum TA. Well, as we said, that was it. Ric Flair did not beat the U.S. Heavyweight Champion in 10 minutes. And we're out of time. We'll see you next time. As Magnum and Rhodes focused on the tag team titles, Flair wasn't exactly having an easy go of it as world champion, fending off more and more challengers ranking from rookie lightweights to veteran heavies and everything in between. Flair had managed to hold onto his title belt. But things weren't getting any easier. Following a particularly dif- particularly difficult cage match with Nikita Koloff, in which Flair had taken out the clean win, and enraged Koloff and his uncle Ivan, Uncle Ivan, overwhelmed Ric Flair. While the two tore Flair apart, Dusty Rhodes ran to the scene and made the save for the longtime enemy. The crowd was going crazy after the Russians had been chased from the ring. Rhodes checked on Flair who looked up at Rhodes and began to berate him. Why? Dusty Rhodes came to make the save. As the American Dream tried to reason with him, the Anderson stormed into the cage and blindsided poor Dusty. Flair saw this going down and rose to his feet, shying away from the beating only to seal the cage door. 
as the assault continued, focusing on Rhodes' knee, help swarmed from the back and finally broke into the cage. The attack had been halted, but the damage was done. Dusty's leg was in terrible shape. From what we once thought was a possible reconciliation between Rhodes and Flair, turned into one of the biggest beatdowns on the American dream he has ever seen. About a week later, Flair was back in the ring with Sam Houston. After nearly dropping his earlier defense against the rookie, Rick wanted to prove it was a fluke with the decisive victory here. Following a solid defense, Flair had done his job but wanted to ensure no threat remained for the future. He called Arn Anderson to the ring, and the two attempted to deliver the same beating as was given to Dusty not long before. Without the aid of a steel cage, though, this assault fell short, and the American Dream himself hit the scene, complete with the steel-toe cowboy boot created so Dusty could continue working despite his injury. Rhodes made the best of a bad situation and used his new bit of ring garb to chase Flair and the Andersons from the battlegrounds. Dusty had come back to avenge the attack from the Andersons and Flair. In just a few more weeks' time, poor Sam Houston had returned to action against Tully Blanchard in what was supposedly a safe matchup. It wasn't long, though, before the Andersons appeared yet again. At first, patiently observing from ringside, the duo made their move minutes into the match, and Tully didn't seem to have anything against it. While Blanchard held the unconscious Houston, Ole and Arn tore into his left arm, putting him right back out of action for an additional set of months. After being chased from the ring, Tully celebrated with the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and the Nature Boy. As the four ran the NWA roster ragged, J.J. Dillon, who had previously joined Blanchard as manager, now accompanied the quartet. It all became official on a spring night in 1986 as it came to fruition. Nearly one full year after the ball began rolling, and Arn set it in stone with a name that would last through the ages. And that will lead us into our next file as we open up the file from year 1986 as the Four Horsemen are officially born. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Wrestling fans, it's time to thank our sponsors of the Beyond the Bell podcast. Stitcher is a leading mobile audio company that provides a revolutionary media service which allows audio content to be easily aggregated, organized, and shared on mobile devices. It features the most up-to-date and relevant content in business, sports, politics, entertainment, and current events from the media industry's premier content providers. By focusing on the growing market for mobile content distribution, Stitcher works to provide an innovative platform for listening to audio content on the go. You can download the Stitcher app on all smartphones via the Android Market and the iTunes App Store. Stitcher, now streaming innovative audio. The SNS Radio Network provides daily audio programming that covers professional wrestling and sports entertainment. All produced by JJ Allcap Sexy, shows include Wrestling News Live, The Pro Wrestling Rewind, Unplugged with JJ Sexy, and of course, the flagship of the SNS Radio Network, 
Sunday Night Showdown. The SNS Radio Network is streamed at Justin.tv, AudioWrestling.com, SNSRadioNetwork.com, Skype, and Google Voice. Basically, if you're not listening, you're not trying. Squared Circle Media. Jerome Willen provides Squared Circle Media to all pro wrestling fans. Squared Circle Media was designed to contain exclusive audio and video content. Squared Circle Media is proud to make episodes of Beyond the Bell and other pro wrestling audio content available to wrestling fans around the world. Pro Wrestling Ringside Radio contains news stories with analysis and opinions. And it is designed to be interactive by encouraging other fans to submit their own views of the top pro wrestling news stories. Pro wrestling fans are encouraged to send in their thoughts from Live Raw, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and other independent wrestling events held around the globe. You can find all content from Squared Circle Media at www.squaredcirclemedia.net. Ringannouncing.com is the official website of ring announcer Sean Beckerman. This is where you will find video, audio, and the latest schedule for the future of ring announcing. That's www.ringannouncing.com. All videos are streamed at the YouTube channel, also labeled Ring Announcing. The Jetpack. Hosts Sean Beckerman and Frank Zintel bring you The Jetpack, the brand new podcast dedicated to the New York Jets. The Jetpack airs every week during the New York Jets regular season. Each show will discuss last week's game, the game plan for next week, and much more. It includes audio and comments from Jets players and staff, courtesy of NewYorkJets.com. You can find all archive shows at jetpack.libsyn.com and on iTunes. The Jetpack has blasted off fans. If you are interested in advertising on Beyond the Bell, Email us at btbwrestling at gmail.com and in the title type, Advertising. Join the Beyond the Bell revolution. It's go time! Thank you so much, fans, for joining us for another edition of the Pro Wrestling Nostalgia Show known as Beyond the Bell. We closed our files on 1985 and we open up the next chapter to 1986 as the horsemen are finally born and they run roughshod through the NWA. Stay tuned for that. We have some great programming for you fans in the coming weeks, such as the Hulkamania Chronicles continuing. WCW 101 will open up to our next chapter, not to mention the Horseman Files debuting and kicks off with such popularity as we celebrate the induction of the Four Horsemen into the Hall of Fame as we look back at their legendary career. Not to mention, we have some specialty shows coming your way, fans, as we'll look back at the greatest families in professional wrestling and the greatest commentators, play-by-play and color in sports entertainment. So, fans, get ready for some innovative nostalgia radio or podcasting coming your way in the weeks to come on Beyond the Bell. Not to mention, we blow right through March for WrestleMania Month as we'll get stats, facts, and tracks and some of the greatest moments and matches in WrestleMania history. So stay tuned for that. We'll wrap things up with our old school theme of the week, fans. And remember to follow us on Twitter under at Sean Beckerman, not to mention like us on Facebook and also on Twitter, hashtag Beyond the Bell. Make Beyond the Bell known on the Twitter universe. I know that was terrible, fans. Sorry for that. Also, questions, comments, and hate mail, show suggestions as well. Reach us at btbwrestling at gmail.com. This week's old school theme of the week, of course, has to feature 
the leader of the Four Horsemen, since we're looking at the initial episode of the Horseman Files, what better way to finish things off and wrap things up with our theme of the week dedicated to the Nature Boy Ric Flair. This was his initial NWA Nature Boy theme as he became part of the Four Horsemen. We'll see you next week as we'll get ready to rewind and relive all things nostalgia in the world of pro wrestling. Get ready to go beyond the bell. I'll see you fans at the matches.